So glad to have you here this morning and uh, so glad to have you join with us. I'm Pastor Bruce. If you're watching online, those of you in person here probably know who I am. But uh, we're so glad that you're joining with us and uh, so glad that you're able to connect with us and watch and participate and engage. Um, a couple of announcements that I that I, I want, or one I wanted to add was, I forgot to mention to Yvette, was that the, this is the last Sunday for the books. If you want to purchase the books, uh, find your people. This is the last Sunday to do it. So if, if you're watching online and you want to purchase a book, just text myself or Josh or somebody that's in the building and we'll make sure we set them aside. They have to go back today to Amazon. So we want to kind of let give you the last moment to this is the last Sunday to purchase those books, so if you want them, today's the day. You, you don't necessarily have to pay for it. You just got to let us know that you want them, and we'll make sure that uh, we save some out for you. We've, I, I added something just, actually added, actually added it uh, just this morning even. If you want to follow on your phone the message and the questions that we have, because some of you talked about you want some time to engage in the questions. If you go to the Bible app, and uh, if you've already got that, the Version Bible app that you might have downloaded on your phone, m many, many people have it, very common, probably the most common Bible app on your phone. And if you go to the More button, which is in the bottom, once you've got it opened up, go to the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little kind of that says More. You click on there, and then you go to Events, and then search South Edmonton Alliance. You'll find the questions that I'll be referring to in the message today. And that may be helpful for you either during the service or for later. You don't have to write it down. You can actually even put your own notes in there. I don't get to see them, just so you don't have to worry about that. You can create your own account and save them, and then you can refer back to them kind of as a, as a way of allowing God to speak to you, kind of journaling on your, as, as you're processing. And some of that may be happening today. Some of it may be happening later today or tomorrow or whenever. So I encourage you to, to take that and make that available to you. I don't know how many of you have ever had crazy days, but uh, I've had a few in my life, and one of the ones that I remember was really kind of weird in all the things that happened. It was just kind of one thing after another. It was, uh, I was working at Syncrude at the time up in the oil sands in, in Fort McMurray, and, my, and it was my last shift and, uh, before the, su the summer ended, and I was going back to college, and so I was, I was a night shift. I would work in 12 hours. I was working in extraction, and um, at the end of the night shift, of course, I had to be relieved by the next shift guy, but he was coming late, and he was, you know, running late, running, run, running late, and so finally when he did show up at my, at, my sta at my station where I was working, I passed the baton on to him and took off because I was watching the time because I have to catch a bus to get back to, to McMurray, and so, um, so I quickly realized the time was getting late, so I rushed like crazy to the locker room, changed my clothes out of my coveralls, went to the lunchroom to grab my lunchbox, looked on the shelf, couldn't find it. It was nowhere to be seen. And I'm going, ah, my last day, I can't believe this is going, everything's going wrong. So I'm searching. And then all of a sudden I realized that my gray lunchbox that I had was no longer gray. It was fluorescent orange. And the guys, kind of to celebrate my last shift, had painted my lunchbox gray. So I went and grabbed it and realized, guess what, that it was still wet. So I uh, quickly grabbed some paper towels, kind of wrapped it up, kind of grabbed it, headed off, barely caught the bus just as they were going to start to pull out, and uh, jumped on the bus and sat down in my seat and started to relax and going, okay, now I can relax finally. My last shift, got all my stuff 
cleaned out, I had cleaned out my locker at work, got everything all sorted out, and was on my way home, and so I just kind of sat and relaxing in the chair, in my seat, and all of a sudden, before I knew it, I almost missed my stop to get off. But got off, I, I remembered that, got off, and, um, and then, I, then I knew I had a busy time, because when I was going back to college, I wanted to get a dental appointment in, so I had booked a dental appointment for that morning. And so, but the problem was my car still needed some work done on it, and so I had to put my starter back in. I thought I had fixed it and got it all ready. I just hadn't put it back in the car. And again, this is older vehicles. There are a lot more room around the engine and easier to get to. And my uh, 71 AMC Hornet, and uh, some of you have seen pictures of it. And so I grabbed the starter, and I, it was all ready to go, shoved it in the car. It took me like 15 minutes to put it in the car, hit the starter, nothing starter and didn't engage. I'm going, oh, what did I do wrong? What did I forget? And I'm not that automotive, so I'm going, and I'm looking at the time, and I'm going, this is crazy. So I thought, okay, option number two, my bike. So I jumped, up, jumped out of the car, ran into the house, grabbed a change of clothes or whatever I was working on quickly, so I was presentable at the dentist office, jumped on my bike, ran the, rode the two and a half or three kilometers downtown to the, to the dental office, get, got there just at the right time, went in, saw the receptionist, and then just collapsed in, in my seat, kind of waiting for my name to be called. And so I'm sitting there and uh, just kind of catching my breath and trying to relax and, and, and just, and then of course I'm getting a little bit tired because I've been up working 12 hours and up all night. And of course I didn't get usually that much sleep when you're working night shifts, you, your sleep is all over the place. So, I, you know, I was, I was tired. And so I'm sitting there kind of with my eyes closed, dozing away, and then all of a sudden I'm going... And I look at the watch, and an, almost an hour has gone by, and I look up, and people that have come in after me have kind of left and kind of gone in, come and left, and I'm going, well, what's going on? And so I go up to the receptionist, and she goes, what's your name again? And I told her, and she goes, oh, we forgot about you. The only good thing was that my dental checkup was good. But, I mean, we've had those kind of crazy days when everything we do have seems wrong, where you've got paint all over your hands and things just go messy and you almost miss things and things are, you know, just kind of weird days that just don't go the way you expect them to go. Joseph in the Old Testament was a guy that was, had, a, had kind of a... He not only had crazy days, he had bad days. I mean, he started out as a pretty cocky kid who had it all. He was a, a, a very entitled young guy who had it all. And yet, very quickly, he got sold into slavery. And then went from slavery to prison. And so it was going from bad to worse. I mean, that's, that's a pretty bad kind of situation that people face. Jesus' life wasn't much better. We think Jesus, you know, being this God and all that kind of stuff, that his life would have been good. But actually, when you think it, read through the story of his life, his life wasn't that great. Remember, remember his, even his birth. Where was his birth? Born in a stable, in a barn, right? I mean, that's not exactly luxury. That's not even in a hospital. That's not even in a, in, in a you know, in, a, in your own home. That was in a barn, in a stable where animals were. And not only that, people just didn't understand him. His parents didn't understand him as, as a kid, as a teenager. His, I'm sure his siblings thought he was just like, the, just kind of teased him to no end because he was perfect in everything he did. And you know what it's like when somebody's perfect, boy, you love to get at them, right? Like that's just, it's like 
just incentive to try and get them to trip up, trying to make them mad, trying to get them angry, trying to do things that will just irritate them to no end. And I'm sure Jesus' siblings did that to him because they were only human. And on top of that, people, as he got older, once he started going into ministry, people were constantly out to kill him. Everybody wanted to kill Jesus. I mean, not everybody, but the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they were out to get him. Like, they were just ravenous towards getting him. And they tried several times, the Bible says. And different times, by God's supreme protection, they weren't able to, to get a hold of him. His time had not yet come, the Scripture says. I mean, and on top of that, people were always flocking to him, wanting to touch him, to grab a hold of him. They were wanting free meals, always wanting a free meal. And sometimes Jesus provided them, which that didn't help either because now everybody was always looking for a free meal. Do you remember that meal, you know? And so everybody was talking about that. And, and his life just was, was weird. And, and at the end of his life, you know, I mean, nobody understood him. His disciples didn't understand him. They, they didn't know why he'd come. There was just all kinds of things. They didn't understand his purposes and that kind of stuff. Even after he died, they didn't understand his purposes. And so his life wasn't that, wasn't that great. He die, ended up dying between two thieves, all alone. That was his life when he walked this earth. Now, you, I mean, both of those guys look, 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 made my crazy day look like a picnic, like a walk in the park. And maybe you've had bad days that are worse than mine. We've all had bad days. We've all had crazy days. We've all had days when things just don't seem to go right. But the biggest question comes down to this is how do we live a life when everything is bad or everything's crazy or everything's going just a mess? How, how do we deal with that? How do we do with that? How, what happens? Paul's life at the moment that he wrote the book of, of Philippians was not in a great state. I mean, he was in Rome, capital city of the known world at that time, or at least the, the, the Western world. But he was in prison. Now, now I have to admit, he was, now wasn't in a prison prison. He was under um, house arrest, kind of like. And so his friends could come and visit him, but he couldn't go anywhere. He always had a, always chained to a Roman guard, always had somebody standing beside him, probably even when he went to the bathroom. I mean, that's just not convenient. It's not nice. You just have to admit that. But that's the kind of, I mean, Paul was in this tight, this self-isolation in a sense, where he just couldn't go out and travel around. I'm sure Paul seemed to be an extroverted kind of guy. And if you're introverted, Jeannie, are you introverted? A little bit? Okay. Some of you are introverted, and being by yourself is okay. But Paul was extremely extroverted, I think. I really sense that from reading his life and so on. I think he was very extroverted. He was always going about meeting people, talking to people, doing things. He was always out and about. And so for him to be locked and, and held captive in a house, even a house, would have been very inconvenient and very frustrating for him. And yet as we look at how Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 4, we see that he made some choices. He made some decisions. And he brings up three things in this last chapter of Philippians 
in, in this last book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, where he talks about three things that he wants us to know about. The first thing he talks about is that people are important. Relationships are important. You see, Paul is incredibly thankful for the, for the, the Philippians. He's very thankful for them. And we'll see his various passages that, that talk about that. Philippians chapter 4 verse 1 says, Therefore, my dear brothers, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friend. So in other words, he loved these people. They, these people were incredibly important to him. And yet, it was so important to him that he had to address a situation of conflict. Now, most people read the next two verses and kind of skip right over it, verses 2 and 3. But if you read those verses, and, and look what Paul says here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. He says, I plead with Yodia, and I plead with Sitcha to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companions, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. So Paul says, oh, I love this church. There's two ladies, they're not getting along. These are believers. These are ones that, that have sided with Paul, have, have served with Paul, and, and he says, he doesn't pick sides. He doesn't say she's right or she's right or she's wrong or whatever. He doesn't, he doesn't pick sides. He just says, ladies, work it out. Work it out. Now remember, he's not in, this, he's not in Philippi. He's in Rome, long ways away. And again, they don't have email. They don't have telephone. You know, it's all snail mail. And a lot longer than it takes today. And yet Paul heard about the conflict that these two women had, even though he was in Rome. And he says, ladies, please work it out. The second thing Paul says here, church, help them. Help them. Help them work it out. You, you think about it. I mean, one of the things that I, I was listening to a, pa a podcast this last week, and uh, he, it was by Andy Stanley, and he talked about conflict. And there's two types of conflict. There's conflicts that can be resolved, and there's tensions that need to be managed. Great podcast about sometimes not everything can be fixed. Relationships don't necessarily always need to be fixed. You don't always have to agree on everything, but you need to, you need to be able to manage the tension in, the relation, in, in, in that situation, whatever you're dealing with. And that has to, I mean, sometimes that happens in a marriage relationship or with friends. There's sometimes you don't agree with each other. But that's okay. You still need to be able to manage and be able to work together and, and, and live together in, with that tension, even though you disagree with each other. So that was the first thing that Paul talks about there, just this whole thing of conflict. But Paul was all about relationships. If you skip down to verse 10, look what he says in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you, you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul loved, saw that they had compassion for him, wanted to reach out to him, wanted to serve him, wanted to help him, and he was grateful for that. Verse 14, he says, Yet it was good for you to share in my troubles. Again, he says, 
you guys are connecting with me. I appreciate that you are there to help me in my trials. And then in one more occasion, in, in another occasion in verse 16, where he says, For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. He was blessed by them. Verse 19, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. People were important to him because he, he prayed for them. He says, God will meet you. People are important. We cannot live our lives outside of people. We need relationships. We need connection. We've talked lots about that. And Paul recognized the point of connection. Even though he was in another city, he was appreciative of the relationship that he had with those people. And he wanted those women, he wanted the church, he wanted them to work together for the sake of, of God's kingdom and God's purposes. So it comes down to this question. This is the first question I want to ask you today. Take a few moments to think about this. As you think through all that you go through in a day, the people you rub shoulders with, do you value people? Do you value people? And, and what, what relationships do you need to mend? What, how do you, what kinds of things do you, is God asking you to step up to, to engage in? Maybe it's small groups. Maybe it's women's ministries. Maybe it's serving in children's ministries. Maybe it's working on a relationship that is, is broken or, or fractured. Ask Jesus, Jesus, do I value relationships enough to work on them? Which relationship? Just take a moment and think. Jot down. God brought several people to my mind this week as I was preparing for this message. One person I texted, another person I called, celebrated my, I sent a text to my sister today because it's her birthday. You know, people are important and we need to acknowledge them. We need to reflect on their life and encourage them and bless them. And if we have troubles with them, we need to be able to work them out, those situations out. And that's the tough one when it comes to valuing people. The second thing Paul talks about in this passage of Scripture is he talks about life is about choices. Life is about choices. And then he gives us, I kind of narrowed it down to five choices. You probably could have summarized these into two or three maybe, but I think because he gives different illustrations, so I just made it easily, made it five. But the first choice he talks about is that we need to have, make the choice to rejoice in all things. Notice that. We need to choose to rejoice. Look at what he says in Philippians 4, verses 4 and 5. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. In other words, Paul's saying there, look, you've got to make the choice to see the good in your day. Rejoice, even when you're in conflict. Because remember, the verses just prior to this is about these two women fighting. So Paul says, hey, you need to rejoice. You need to make joy a priority in your life. You need to choose joy. It's a choice we make. We can focus on the half-empty glass or that the glass isn't full, or we can rejoice in what God has given to us. You know, I looked outside the leaves are coming on the trees. Guess what? They're not fully out there. 
but I'm celebrating because I love it when the spring. I love seeing the trees start to bud. It's, 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 it's exciting, but it's not fully there yet. But it's worth celebrating. And I've done that a number of times this week as I was driving back and forth and walking around and looking outside. The spring is here. It's time to rejoice. And so we need to find the little things that are just small, even though they're small, and rejoice in those things and make it a choice. The second choice Paul challenges us to do is here is choose not to be anxious. Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. You see, there's lots of things we could be anxious about. We can choose to be anxious. It's very easy. You know, COVID, the weather... Health, money, weight, hair loss, family. Ten, I mean, there's 10,000 different things we could worry about. That is easy. But Paul says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. The default for human beings is to be anxious. It's a default wired in our system as sinners before God. And God says, you are a new creation you can choose a different lifestyle. You can choose a different thought pattern. You can choose differently. And that actually leads us to the next thing that Paul challenges us with. And that is the choice to think on right things. Verses 8 and 9. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is, it, is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There are a thousand things we can think on. Ang anxiety, things that will cause problems, things that will us, put us in a bad mood. A thousand things that are going wrong. But Paul says, choose what you will think on. Choose the things to think on. It's easy to, to, to think about, about division, these two women fighting away. You know, it's easy to, to think about that stuff. It's easy to focus on all the things that are not going right, the fact that we, you know, we live in a world where we, we can't do the things we used to or we don't have the relationships. Or, or one of the things I, I heard on another podcast this week is I think that one of the things we're going to be facing in the next, next few months or even the next year is a huge sense of loss as people grieve some of the things that they missed through COVID. Funerals, weddings, birthday parties, Christmas gatherings. There's going to be a sense of loss that we're going to have to be grieving over. And again, it comes down to this aspect of what do we choose to think on. It's okay to grieve, but we also need to make a choice to think about those things which build us up and which edify us and help us move forward, not put us backwards. Psalms talk lots about thinking about the bad stuff, but making the transition into thinking about good things. There's, it has to be this sense of transition, and God calls us to that. When you drive a car, it does all the work, right? It does all the work. And all we got to do is hold the wheel and push the gas pedal down, which takes so little effort to make that car go forward. 
God does all this work in and around it. He, in a sense, is the car that's around us. And he calls us but to partner with him in this so, as, so that what we do compared to what the car does is like what we do compared to what God does. God works with us, but we have to work with God. We can't fight the car. We can't make the car do things it's not supposed to do. God wants us to work in line with Him. The fourth choice is the choice to be content. And these, again, these kind of all are tied together. Philippians 4.12, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul had everything. He also he had nothing. Less than nothing. He was in jail. Yet it didn't matter. He said he was content. Whether he had or didn't have, whether he was free or not free, he was content. I, I read a, an article quite a few years ago, and they said, didn't matter whether people made a little bit of money or a lot of money, this is probably 20 years ago, they said if we only had $5,000 more, life would be better. So if they made, like say for example, if they made $25,000 a year, or they made $125,000 a year, what this study said was that if, if both people, both groups of people said, if we just had $5,000 more, we'd be content. It's probably 10000 now, inflation, right? But the, the whole idea is if we just had a little bit more, oh, we, we, could, we could be content, we'd be at peace, you know? And yet, somehow there's deep wired within us that sense of discontentment that we always want more. More money more things, more this, more that, whatever. We want more. And that adds stress when we want that. And, and we're not content, and we're not happy, and we start fighting, and relationships start to break down. And, and we, you know, all these kinds of things just build on each other's. But Paul says we need to be content with what we have. doesn't mean that we don't try and strive to move forward and, or excel. That's not what he's talking about. Because even in that, if things don't pan out the way we want them to, we have to be content where we are. The fifth choice Paul calls us to do is the choice to give. Philippians 4, verses 15 and 16. He says, Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Paul said, look, no one else chose to make the choice, but you did. They made the choice to give. And Paul celebrates that. Paul is so thankful that they were willing to give because he had needs. He didn't tell everybody on Facebook that he had needs. He just had needs. And God knew that, and God provided for him through the Philippian church because they sit, were walking in step with God and their hearts were generous. And so they served in that way. It's easy to get up, caught up again with what we don't have and just be narrowly focused. Like, how can I help others if I'm not even, you know, I'm wrestling with all these things in myself. 
But generosity, the interesting thing about generosity, generosity combats anxiousness, it combats greed, and it combats selfishness. Let that settle in for a minute. Generosity combats greed, combats anxiousness, combats selfishness. It's a, it, it fights those things in a, at a deep level that most of us probably rarely understand. That's why God calls us to be generous. Because God knows that even when we give, He will bless us for it. There's lots of verses that talk about that. And we don't bless others so that we will get blessed with more. We bless because God has already blessed us with so many gifts in what Jesus through what Jesus has done. True generosity is a, is a most amazing gift that God gives us to help us grow. But it's all about choices. Those five choices. Choices, choice to rejoice, choice not to be anxious, choice about what to think on, choice to be content, and choice to be generous. Of those five choices, pick one. The one that Jesus brings to the surface to your mind. Which is the one God's calling you to step on and work out on and work on? Rejoicing, anxiousness, your thought life, contentment, or generosity? Which one? You might think, oh, there's like four. Or you might go, I got none. God will bring one. Let, let one rise to the surface. Ask him. He'll bring one to the surface. And then say, okay, God, what, what do you want me to do with that? Give me one step, God, that I, that I can take a step of faith in. The last thing Paul wants us to learn from this book of Philippians chapter 4 over this last chapter is that, that God always shows up for us. I, I kind of hinted at it already. That God doesn't, he's like the car around us. He, he does all this kind of stuff, gives us all kinds of gifts, gives us abilities, things, all kinds of ways. To, he impacts our life. He fills, he wraps himself around us. And he always shows up. Philippians 4 verse 5. Paul says this. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is, where? Where is he? Near. He's not over there. He's not in Calgary cheering on the flames. He's not, you know, somewhere else. He's here. He's near. He's right here in this place. God doesn't leave us hanging. He doesn't ignore us. He doesn't leave us alone. He doesn't call us to figure things out all by ourselves. He wants to partner with us. He may not answer the way we want Him to answer when we ask Him for things, but He is always near. He doesn't ever leave us. God shows up. He's there for giving peace. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The peace of God. P 
people in our world hunger for peace, and guess what? They cannot buy it. They try, but they can't. Because the moment the things that money buys, money can't buy everything. It can't buy happiness. It can't buy good relationships. Well, it can buy good relationships for about five minutes when everybody's happy because you've, you've given them money, but then they're looking for more. But the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard our hearts. And God says, it's not something you work on. It's something the peace that I give to you, God says, that will guard your hearts and your, and your minds will help you in your thinking, help you in your processes, help you not to be anxious on all those choices that we make. Verse 9 says, And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Again, the God of peace is there for us. Peace is a gift that cannot be measured. And yet we can feel it when our hearts are at rest. And the anxious thoughts are put to a side. God offers it to us if we look to Him. God gives us strength to do all things. We love that verse, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. I can do all things. All things, especially in regard to the things that Paul's already told us about, the choices that we've made. Making right relationships, what we focus on, what we think about. He gives us strength to do those things. Not necessarily the things that we would want to do, because those things can often be, you know, impure, right? When he says all things, he doesn't mean the things that we put on our agenda. Those are only the things that God says he wants to do in our lives. And he says, God is there for us. He says, you can do all things because I am there. You can do specifically these things about, you know, the, 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 the five choices that we looked at. Those, um, to rejoice, I can help you with rejoicing. I can help you with about being anxious. It's not something you need to do. That's, that's my peace. What you think on, your contentment, and your generosity. I can help you with those things, Paul says. And then verse 19 where he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to your riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. Again, not our, not, not our wants, but our needs. And God knows what we need. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. God says, I'm, I'm there for you. I will provide the things that will really give you life in ways that you can never experience. And he says, guess what? I'm, I've got that. I don't have all my wants satisfied. I'm still in jail. I'm still going to face Caesar. I'm still going to be tied up here for probably a few years in jail. But God said, or Paul said, no, look, God will provide you all that you need. And we can thank him for that. God is front and center on all those things. God always shows up, right? He's always there for us. So the, question, the, third, the third question I want to ask you today is, are you focused on God and partnering with Him? Or are you doing it alone? Are you saying, oh, man, I'm so anxious. I got to just, I got to not be anxious. I got to not be anxious. I got to not be anxious. You know, and we try and do in ourselves what God says, look, ask me, partner with me. I'm there. 
Are you focused on God, partnering with Him, or are you trying to do it alone? Are you trying to push the car, right? Or are you sitting in the driver's seat and saying, okay, God, you, 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 you be the engine. You be the wheels. You be the roof and the doors. I rest in you. Are you giving him credit for that? Let's take a moment and go back over those questions again, just as we reflect on them. What does this mean for us? You know, are you thinking through all that you go through in your day and are people important? Are people important for you? Five choices. Is there something you need to work on? Choice to rejoice. Choice not to be anxious. Choice to what you think on. Choice to be content. Choice to be generous. Again, pick one of those. Don't, don't pick three or four or five because just pick one. And then maybe tomorrow you'll have to pick another one or the next, maybe next week pick another one, whatever God brings to you. And then lastly, again, you're, are you doing it in partnership with God, these things? Or are you trying to do it alone? Are you trying to do it alone? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful that you give us the life of Paul. Lord, we, we, we sit in prison with him as he writes these verses and we... We, we think about the experience that, he's, that he has experiencing or the feelings he's had or just the trials that he's being faced with. And God, it makes a whole lot more sense to think that he's not sitting in some fancy resort somewhere celebrating these things and going, oh yeah, you guys try and work it out. You know, I rejoice. I've got, I'm content. I got it all figured out. No, God, he was in prison. He'd been beaten. He'd even been killed a few times, and you raised them back to life again. God, he had everything, and he had nothing. God, and that's the kind of life you call us to, is not put our trust in what we have externally, but what, we, what you've put within us. God, that you have given us hope, and now you call us to take those steps of obedience, one step at a time. God, lead us. Lead us in these days. We, we hunger for you. We long for you. We, we want you because, God, you are the framework around us that guides us and directs us. You are the one who em empowers us and leads us and guides us. And, God, we, we just want to work with you on these things. And, God, sometimes we get discouraged because it seems like, oh, it's just so hard so many obstacles, yet God, give us the faith to trust you day by day, to trust you. And we'll give you the praise and adoration. God, go with us today, too. Go with us today. Empower us to be bold for you in so many different areas of thinking right, of being generous, of, of making relationships right. Lord, help us to be bold. We pray these things. God, we'll just give you the glory in advance already. Right now, we'll thank you for what you will do. And God, may we record those things down so that we can celebrate the ways in which you work in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' name.